0: Today is April 13th, 2019. My name is Guillermo Perez. I'm the author of All the Diets Under the Sun: A Journey from Childhood to Adulthood in the Battle with Weight. Originally, I was going to do this as a audible book, and then I just decided, you know what? I'm going to do this as a podcast because this way I could do one day at a time and share my thoughts of what I wrote, and and so you could understand a little bit more of where I'm coming from. This is my first time doing this kind of venue. I used to do podcasts also for a company called Bullion Vault, but what they were was really a live radio show that then would become obviously a podcast. So I'm going to start with the book. And I'm going to turn the page, and the first thing you see, of course, is the copyright, which was copyrighted in 2018 by Guillermo Perez. And this is... um, registered i have an isbn number and everything and it's available on amazon.com all right i dedicated this book to my family and i want to acknowledge right off the bat Debrati roy a dear friend of mine who's an editor currently at bloomberg and uh without her help i would not have been able to do this she was a fantastic help made sure that i always was putting in installments and she would read them and give me suggestions that would make it possible to progress. You have to realize that when you're working full-time and working very hard at trying to make ends meet, it's sometimes impossible to get things done. But when you have someone who's behind you, supporting you, and a good friend that wants to see you get this done, it happens. And so I have to thank the Without her, it wouldn't have been possible. I also have to thank my son, Mark, and my mom, Virginia, for having read the book and made comments and corrections. I have to thank um, Influence Consulting, my dear friends there, who, um, Francis Del Valle, David Bray and Mark Rose, who were an inspiration to me when I was working with Bullion Vault and doing the radio show and different other kinds of media. So I'd like to start first with telling you a little bit about the book. The book's got 15 chapters and we're going to start with the first chapter, which is The Early Years. The book will cover a lot about me, about my life, and about my struggles. And that's really the goal of the book, is to share my thoughts and my feelings and how I progressed through life and how I got to the part where I am where having the problems with weight gain. So I had recently someone review the book, and a professional reviewer that was. And they made the comment that they were not happy with too much of the stories that went offline, that did not follow the storyline of the book. But I think he missed the point of the stories that I gave. First, some were for comic relief, and others were to get give you a better understanding of who I am, the way I think, and why things happen the way they do. And I and, and, you know, it's I'm that kind of guy. I just want to share the stories, and I think they're fun. So I hope you enjoy it. So I'm going to start right now with the book. All right, so here we go. Chapter 1, The Early Years. I have many happy memories of my childhood. In my estimation, though, my story should begin with the major event that ended up changing my life. It was a beautiful day. I was a Cub Scout, and our pack went out to a park in Queens, New York. I vaguely recall we were racing each other. It was my turn to run and I was ready. Dust was kicked up as we ran and suddenly I had to stop. I didn't know or understand what was happening. I knew something was wrong and looked around for my mom. I saw her come running to see what was wrong. The next thing I remember is Dr. Bell. He was a very nice man and I liked him very much but I did not want to see him as frequently as I had. Once I was diagnosed with asthma, he believed that the dust caused the reaction I had that day and that I needed to be tested for other allergens. I went in several times for shots. A reaction to the shot would mean I had allergies to many foods. I was allergic to so many things like chocolate, ketchup, shellfish, dust, cats, dogs, rice, guayaba to name a few, and many were a breathing hazard for me. It was 1968, and back then children were not babied, but taught. I was told what I was allergic to, and I simply avoided eating it. Nowadays, they would have quarantined me as a freak and put my friends behind bars if they had sat beside me eating a chocolate chip cookie. To this day, I still have allergies to certain foods and do the same thing I've been doing since I was seven years old. I ask, what is in the food I'm interested in eating? If it contains something I'm allergic to, I don't eat it. It was not difficult when I was little, and that hasn't changed. This actually formed the habit of self-control that I still have and use at times. Yet, looking back and trying to remember sounds a lot easier than it actually is for me. Because of my asthma, I was prescribed a certain medication at the time called Broncotab. I took this medication along with my regular weekly allergen shots for years. However, the pills were having an adverse effect on me, and I did not realize that until later in life. I blame those same pills for my foggy and often distorted memories. I was never overweight as a child, but I was not super active either. I remember spending a lot of time on my days off in front of the television. We had a 19-inch black-and-white television in the basement of our small colonial home in New Jersey. I would lie on the couch and watch show upon show until I was forced out. I can still remember that musty smell, even though we had a dehumidifier to improve it. I recall the 430 movie on ABC and all the reruns on Channel 9 and 11. Then, of course, there was Star Trek, Batman, and Gilligan's Island, to name a few of my favorites. I preferred watching TV because I was not often able to be active to keep up with my brother's physical activities. I would easily get winded when we ran. I would find riding a bicycle a struggle when going up the slightest hills. Still, my brothers always included me in everything they could. I vaguely remember my mother making sure they got me out of the house. I did get out more than it sounds though. I recall playing little league baseball I was good at playing catch, but I could not hit the ball for beans. When I was out on the field, I was always placed in right field, not because I was good in that position, but as anyone who has ever played Little League knows, that's where the ball gets hit to the least. I also prayed that the ball would not come in my direction, mostly because there's nothing worse than dropping a high fly. Also, if I had to run for the ball, I wouldn't be able to do it, as I would surely feel that tightness in my chest. I engaged in my own form of breath control that seemed to help with the exercise-induced asthma. I would hold my breath as long as I could and then release. This would calm my lungs down and help me regain normal or close to normal breathing. I played catch with my brothers. We would play three-way and then switch up for practice when we were throwing. Pop-ups, high pops, line drives, and grounders. I loved practicing with high pops. There was something about having to focus and the extra time it took to get ready. It was almost peaceful in a sense. Plus, it was also something I was good at. Though I would be out of breath running for the ball in a real game, my older brother Javier was a great center fielder. I always marveled at his ability to track the ball down and still have the strength to make a good throw. He helped me a lot and gave me the confidence to try, even though he knew my asthma meant I would not be as capable. One of my favorite memories is when I learned how to ride my bicycle. It happened in two tries. I had a yellow three-speed Schwinn Stingray with a banana seat, a glorious vehicle, to say the least. We had gotten them for Christmas, but we weren't able to get out and ride them until the spring. It was my brothers and me again. Carlos and Javier were encouraging me to try, as I was not sure I was ready. I was still nervous like any other kid. We went to Old Tote Road, just a half a block from our house, which had a minor downhill slope, and we thought that would help. Of course, our major concern was if any cars came, but we did it anyway. I got on the seat of my bicycle, and Javier said, just look straight ahead and pedal like crazy. On the first try, with Javier holding me straight, I started falling over after about 10 feet. He told me to hit the brake and try again. This time, he ran beside me and I had to pedal to keep up. He was talking to me while I was pedaling, encouraging me. Suddenly, he went quiet. I shouted, how am I doing? He shouted back from a distance, you're doing great. I had ridden over a tenth of a mile by myself without realizing it, and then I had to learn quickly how to stop. I hit the brake and fell onto someone's front lawn. It was only the beginning of my newfound love for bicycling. It gave me freedom. I jumped back on the bike and rode back up the road to my brothers. That was a great day, and I'm thankful that no one kept me from doing anything. In fact, in my mind, neither my brothers nor any of the kids made a big deal about it. I had a friend called Robert. He was a big kid, and it seemed we were always getting into mischief together. We actually became friends when he tried to beat me up. He was much bigger than I was, but when we moved to New Jersey from Queens, he thought he would test me. He had a younger kid in the neighborhood invite me over to play. When I was just outside his house, Robert jumped me. Well, he was in control of the fight the whole time, but I would not give up fighting back. He respected that and let me go. From then on, we did many things together. We were 11 years old at the time, Looking back, I have to admit, we had fun but he was a bad influence. He seemed to have a spark of the devil in his eyes, but he did save my life. The following story is actually silly, yet I could have died. I kept the story from my mother until much later in life. It makes sense if you think about it. Who would want to go home and tell their mom that they did something stupid and they almost got themselves killed? It was winter, and we were out walking around looking for something to do. We decided to go to Moxon Pond and see if the ice was still hard enough to walk on. As we walked there, the snow and ice were melting off the trees. That should have been a strong hint about the strength of the ice. Instead, I decided to go out and test it. Robert, who was twice my size, was much more cautious than I was, and in this instance, much wiser. The first step was solid, the second step was fine, and on the st- third step, I turned and looked in Robert and said, feels pretty strong. Just as I said it, I went under, whoosh, suddenly I was under a slab of ice. You would think I would have panicked, but it just so happened that I had seen on TV about Houdini just a few days earlier, and how he survived for hours under the ice so I knew that there would be a gap of air between the ice and the water that would allow me to breathe. I rose up under the ice, breathed the air, and looked for the opening. Luckily, I had found it quickly. I reached up. Robert had already found a strong fallen branch and was reaching it into the hole. I grabbed it and he pulled me out of the water. I clambered back onto the ice while holding onto that branch the entire time. We went back to the, his house where I stripped off my clothes and put on his older brother's t-shirt, which was like a robe on me. We read comic books while we waited for the dryer to perform its magic. I was home before supper and no one had a clue of my near death experience. Robert and I were close friends up until we graduated eighth grade. We went our separate ways as he attended a public high school and I went to a Catholic high school. A few years later, I tried to jumpstart our friendship again, but he was a different person. He was into smoking marijuana a lot. Not that I was a prude about these things, but he was just too obsessed with getting high for me. We hung out together for a couple of weeks, and then he crossed the line. He hit on my girlfriend behind my back. This put a rather quick end to our relationship. The last memory I have of him was many years later. He was walking home From the neighboring town and i pulled over to offer him a ride he looked through me as if i didn't exist it was obvious to me that he was high on something but i'm still sad to say i never saw him again i pray that he later found his way in this world but i never heard anything about him ever so why am i telling you all these stories and what do they have to do with my future weight problem i guess the reason is to point out that i was a normal kid more or less. I grew up like any other kid, playing ball, having fights, and doing stupid things. I was given anything I wanted to eat that I wasn't allergic to, and I never seemed to gain any weight. Every morning we would have café con leche, which is coffee with milk, which was actually loaded with sugar. We ate breakfast cereals like Captain Crunch, and Lucky Charms, and Tricks. As Cuban Americans, we still got the good old Cuban pastries drenched in syrup on holidays. My dad loved the ice cream and often would eat Entenmann's pound cake mixed into some Briar's chocolate ice cream to eat at night. We called it mush. We loved our sweets and I ate plenty. I was active but not an athlete by any stretch of the imagination. The question is why a kid who was only mildly active and ate plenty did not gain weight. Why was I thin until the age of 16? By the way, two things I can add that are not in the book. Mush was invented by my mom, mixing pound cake with ice cream, a delicious concoction. And then, second, the kid, the young kid who Robert asked to get me over to beat me up, is now my brother in law. Isn't that a funny way of life? Well, anyway, I hope you enjoy this uh, installment, and I hope to do another one soon. Thank you for listening. God bless.